This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, how cool is this? We have a grandpa on the show. Fun trick is to tell him stories that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville, I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville, which is what they call Shelbyville. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's the wrong grandpa. It's not Grandpa Simpson. It's it's Grandpa Kelly Rudy. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? <laughs> oh, my. I love it, Reed. That's uh, the best introduction ever. Uh, not only with the little skit, but just the... Uh, uh, now everybody can call me Grandpa or Papa or whatever. It's it's awesome. It's an amazing feeling. All right, so so give us uh, give us the 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 lowdown, the, the 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 name, the when when it all happened, and all that stuff. Okay, so it happened last Friday evening, nine fifty nine Mountain Time. Uh, his name is uh, Maverick Stephen Leonard Ling. Uh, he was seven pounds, nineteen and a half inches. Uh, bundle of joy. I happen to be away on the road, and I know a lot of people out there, a lot of couples might be able to relate to this. Um, I was traveling last week, and my wife is saying to me, you know what, her due date is the 20th of February. She's going, you know, they're Jessica's going through a few things here. I don't think it's going to be much longer. And, and lo and behold, a day or two later, uh, Jessica went into labor. Everybody's doing really well. And the best of all this, oh, well, there's so many great things, Reed, but one of the greatest things uh, we have going on right now is Jessica, her husband, Matt, and Maverick, their son, they're living with us for a few months because they're selling their condo in Calgary and they're building a house and the house won't be ready now till somewhere ballpark uh, around May. So as grandparents, we're getting a, a, a real healthy dose of our grandson. And, and maybe one of the other things, and again, I know a lot of people can relate to this, just to see your spouse. Like my wife is so, was so ready for this. She's the greatest grandma. It's awesome. We're super excited, and uh, I just, I'm just uh, one of the happiest guys on the planet. I gotta say, Maverick. What a name. That is cool. cool is eh? it that, that's what they're gonna use. Yeah, yeah. Is. That's a given name. That's cool, right? Now, can you address in any truth to the rumor that your first gift to Maverick was a blue chiffon bandana? <laughs> I can shoot down all the rumors that did not happen and it will not happen. But you know what? You know what Maverick might get within, say, a couple of years, two and a half years? A set of golf clubs, and he's going to be going golfing with Grandma and Grandpa. How's that sound? Well, that is awesome. So, I, But I do want to ask you from a, a, a life experience uh, point of view, 
I, I mean, look, I, I can remember you as that young man in the blue chiffon bandana, uh, you know, played for the Islanders and the Kings and the Sharks. Obviously, you were younger with the Islanders and the Kings, but uh, now, like, has it sunk in? Man, I am actually a, a grandfather. How does that title feel? Oh, yeah. When uh, it really did sink in, Jessica and Matt surprised me uh, last year. I got home, I believe, uh, uh, on Father's Day from the playoffs, and and that day, they let me know. We couldn't tell, we couldn't reveal to the world simply because as uh, all good parents, you want to make sure that everybody's healthy and everybody's doing well. So we made that an announcement in August. But once you started to see her, uh, the, the baby grow and so on, it really sinks in. But I think the last few weeks, read when Jessica would be over and we had a chance to touch her tummy and to feel the baby moving again, just like when I remember Donna had our, our girls and um, but we're ready. Oh, yeah, we're ready. It's not like we're, oh, boy, we're still too young. We're more than ready. We're. I'm so happy. I was thinking about it today. I was driving around. I had some errands to run. And I was thinking, you know, I'm still young enough. I'm 57. When Maverick's 20, and hopefully we have other grandchildren, many, uh, in, say, 20 years, we'll still have a, a healthy life. We'll be able to do all sorts of things. And so I'm really looking forward to right now and the future and and just being a hopefully a, a real great grandfather well that's awesome kelly congratulations and thanks for sharing that with us that, that's thanks. that's really cool kelly rudy joining us on inside sports uh, as he does once a week former nhl goaltender now an analyst with the nhl on rogers okay so that's where i want to go next now I didn't get much of this until sort of uh, Sunday because when this was being discussed, uh, Rob Brown and I are on air. When you were talking about this on television, we're we're on radio during intermissions on Saturday. Yeah. What was this? Where like do you, are are you, are you in favor of tra- trading Leon Drysital? Like, what are you talking about, Kelly? Give oh, us give us the accuracy here. Of course not. Okay. Uh, but, but the uh, the tone of our discussion it was uh, post game. And David Amber, Nick Kipros, Elliot Friedman, and I, we were just discussing the Oilers and where you go from here. And my point was, um, Nick might have started it off. Um, Elliot might have jumped in and said something about that'll never happen. But I did say something like, uh, but you have to listen to offers. I mean, you'd be, you'd be not doing, you're, you'd be doing a disservice to the Oilers organization if you were not listening to offers about everybody. Granted, we know Connor McDavid's not going anywhere uh, for 10 years, 12 years, something like that. That's the one given. Um, but everybody else, their name has to be discussed. I personally, and I did say, I, I said something like, I can see uh, Dreisaitl being an Edmonton Oiler for the next 15 years. He's that spectacular of a player. But that, hey, what if some general manager offers you something really, really spectacular? You've got to think about it. Again, I had a conversation with one of my managers when I was in Los Angeles, and, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, well, there's Gretzky, and then there must be, I don't know, four or five other guys that most likely are, are never going to be traded. And he looked me square in the eye and said, Kelly, my job is to talk about every one of you, and that includes Wayne, every one of us. And it really surprised me because I had never really thought of it in those terms, I thought, okay, you've got a handful of guys that are untradeable and, and you're not going to discuss their names and packages and so on. But that's just not true. Reality is that you've got to find out what the market is, and then you have to decide whether, say, a guy like Dreisaitl, he's more important to you 
for the next 12 years, three years, whatever that number is, or are the players that are coming back in return better for the organization? And and those are hard conversations, but they are real. Okay. I understand what you're saying, and that's the thing. I mean, so many rumors. Well, these two teams are talking. Well, I'm sure there could be talks to... Uh, Sure. Uh, varying degrees, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Dreisaitl hopefully is an Oiler for the next 15 years because uh, as tough a year um, as they have uh, had, yeah. um, you know, I, I, they've often been a team with no depth down the middle at all, so now at least they have a couple of really good centers, and, and Nugent Hopkins obviously been hurt, and I think they're missing him. Okay, thanks yeah. for clarifying. Oh, yeah. Why, you know, can I ask, Reed? Was there a rumor or was there talk that I said you've got to trade him? Uh, no, I just saw some of the stuff. The stuff I read said it was more Kiprios putting it out there and, the, and that you said you'd have to listen if a team was going to knock your socks off. Yeah. yeah, but I think Nick was saying the same thing I am. And unless it was uh, misconstrued, Nick is not suggesting to trade him. He's suggesting, like I said, just to listen. And, and that's all. It, it wasn't that oh, boy, you've got to start talking about him. You've got to put Dreisaitl's name out there and see what the return is, and you've got to do it uh, here by trade deadline or at the draft in the summer. But he wasn't suggesting it's that sort of uh, need or something right now. Not at all. Okay. Kelly Rudy joining us at Inside Sports. Kelly, really tough night for Cam Talbot last night. The Oilers score five. Uh, lose 7-5, and uh, I mean, look, I'm looking at some of those goals and thinking, I know sometimes uh, one or two tough ones might get by you, but you, and I mean, Talbot said after the game that he wanted four back, and I think that's that's probably f- fair, and as much as, as much as the Oilers have had trouble scoring at times this year, and the power play is not very good, and we talk about the depth wingers, I, I, it's really come down to preventing goals, I think, that maybe has been problem number one. And you talked openly last week about the, some of the troubles you had in your career and even the season you, the Kings wound up going to the Stanley Cup, that that yeah. wasn't a great year for you until you got it going a little bit later on. I, I mean, can what do you think Talbot can do to salvage this or make himself feel a little better or his focus here down the final third of the season? Well, this is pretty crucial because... Uh... And, and I'm not just nitpicking about last night's game because that was brutal. He recognized it. He talked about it. But his body language was rotten right to early on. And he doesn't have a lot of fight right now because sometimes it just beats you up so much. So I think something has to be done in terms of, and maybe they have, maybe they've talked to him, maybe there's a sports psychologist, maybe there's somebody that they can speak to that they can help him uh, uh, pull himself out of this uh, funk because it was uh, – it wasn't fun to watch last night. Like, I'm not criticizing him going, well, you know, uh, he's not that good. or He is that good. Last year when he won a team record 42 wins and had a 919 save percentage, that wasn't fluke. But if you look at his body language from where he was last year, he was a fighter. He battled. And last night he had no battle, none whatsoever. And that tells you what kind of funk he is uh, mentally. And I don't know what needs to be done, but you think of what I had. I got really fortunate that I had uh, Tony Robbins to work with me and get me out of my funk and get my brain to think the opposite of what it was thinking. I'm not sure exactly what uh, St. Louis did last year with Jake Allen, but he didn't go on a road trip, didn't play a couple games when they went to Winnipeg and maybe uh, Minnesota. Um, But there was a definite switch in his mindset when he 
came back and joined the team. I think it was like five days later or something. And whatever they did, I know they had the fortune of uh, having Marty Brodeur around to help them. But uh, sometimes you've just got to get away and you got to allow your brain to see things more clearly. Because right now, his thought process is not very good. I mean, some of those shots yesterday, uh, he would have stopped when he played in the in the minors. When he was playing for the Connecticut Whale and Hartford Wolfpack and all that, he would have tracked some of those better back then than how he's tracking the puck right now, and that's a big problem. Well, and you mentioned the word funk, and, and, and look, I'm not saying it all comes down to confidence for the Oilers, and, and I can't know how how they feel, and, and you know, they still yep. talk about trying to play well and, and work hard, I, I, but I just think, you know, the season didn't start well, they look hesitant, and I don't think they expect good things to happen on the ice. I think they're worried about all the bad things that could possibly happen, and then sometimes yep. you make them happen because of that. Oh, 100%, and their penalty kill is maybe the greatest example of that. Like, that's all mental as well. You can't be the best penalty-killing team in the league on the road and the worst at home. I mean, because you're not playing much different in terms of style or anything. So what does it tell you? That they're paralyzed. They're, the brain is in the way. It's making them do things that they're not doing on the road. They're playing uh, a freer style, I'm sure, mentally on the road. They just go out and play. They expect good things because... The, the results are there. When they look at a stats pack and they see their uh, uh, PK number one on the road, they expect it to be good that night because that's what that's what the results are telling you. It's it's tangible. But when you go and you you play at home and you're fearful and and you think something bad is going to happen, well, you're right. It will. Yep. Kelly, great chat. Again, congratulations on Maverick, your new grandchild. That is awesome. We'll do this again next week, man. Have fun. Beautiful. Thanks, Reed. Have a great night. That is Kelly Rudy checking in. Always love having him on the show. It's 619. He's with the NHL on Rogers. Excellent NHL goaltender with the Islanders, Kings, and Sharks. The Calgary Flames in action tonight. They're leading Boston 2-1 about eight minutes into the second period. Full scoreboard when we get back. You'll also hear from Mike Riley and CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. All coming up on Inside Sports. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. You'll hear some comments from Mike Riley before 7 o'clock tonight. The Edmonton Oilers did not practice today. They'll skate at 10 tomorrow morning and then fly to Vegas for the game against the Golden Knights on Thursday. Of course, it's on 630 Chet with the face-off show at 6. The game will be at 8. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse went out to Sakers Acres today to visit the guys braving all sorts of different elements for the world's longest hockey game. Uh, okay, 252 hours of hockey. Have you ever played that long? No, definitely not. Uh, it's, it's cool, though. Um, you know, what they're doing is, is uh, pretty remarkable. And to come out and see it firsthand is, uh, is very special. Head out of there. Um, what do you think of, I mean, it looks like they're slowing down a little bit. <laughs> well, four days later, I think uh, you'd have to. I can't even imagine what it would be like on the 11th day. But, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see. I mean, uh, they're all excited. They're all still going. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable what they're doing. Are you going to jump in there and help them out? <laughs> you know, I think uh, i got bigger problems to worry about, uh, um, you know, with, with my own hockey. So, um, you know, we'll let them take care of this, and uh, I'll do my thing. Do you think about Connor, the, 
I mean, they've had nights of minus 40, they've had rain. Just kind of process all the different yeah. things you go through. Yeah, I mean, they're telling me that, you know, a few nights ago it was minus 40 here with the wind, and, you know, now today it's been raining all day, and, um, you know, they're battling all the elements, but, uh, you know, they're, they're sticking to it, they're grinding away, and, um, you know, it's like I keep saying, it's uh, it's amazing what they, they're doing and, and the money that they're raising for, you know, such a good cause. Well, absolutely, and uh, good for McDavid and Nurse to visit the world's longest hockey game today and everybody taking part, all the volunteers. Great stuff. They're going all the way through to Holiday Monday. NHL action tonight. Flames lead the Bruins 2-1 halfway through the game. Also in the second period, Sabres up 2-1 on the Lightning. Blue Jackets and Islanders are tied 1-1. The Flyers lead the Devils 2-1, and the Penguins have a 4-1 advantage over the Ottawa Senators. Also in the second period, how about this one? Carolina 5, Los Angeles nothing. Justin Falk, a natural hat trick in that game. He's up to seven goals on the season. After the first, Detroit leads Anaheim 1-0. In the first period, no score between the Blues and the Predators. Minnesota leads the Rangers 3-1. That game is only nine minutes old. No score early between the Capitals and the Jets. Still to come tonight, Chicago at Vegas. And the Coyotes will play the Sharks. So free agency for the Eskimos. They signed defensive lineman Alex Bazzi through the 2019 season. Got a look in the NFL last year, averaging about a little, a little over half a sack per game in 56 games with the BC Lions over the last four seasons. The Eskimos retain Johnny Adams and Forrest Hightower, both defensive backs. They also hang on to Adam Konar, uh, Adam Konar, really good Canadian linebacker, so he's staying put. He'll join us in the next half hour of the show. Leaving the Eskimos, all going to the BC Lions. Offensive lineman Joel Figueroa, that's a big hole at left tackle. Euclid Cummings from the D-line goes to BC, as does defensive back. Gary Peters. We'll talk about that a little bit more with Morley Scott later on in the show. 627 Inside Sports on Chet. We're back after the news. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Cam Talbot obviously taking a lot of the responsibility last night. He said after the game that he would like four goals back. He allowed six. Florida also got an empty netter, beat the Oilers 7-5. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.33 inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chet, a lot of Eskimos news to talk about as well today. We'll get into that into more detail as uh, we move along. Seattle has officially submitted its NHL expansion application. So uh, sometime in the next two or three years, they will become the 32nd team in the NHL. I mean, it's an application, but I think all the tracks that have got us to this point lead to them uh, joining the league. want to remind you, Friday, Inside Sports will be live from the Terwilliger Rec Center for the good old Family Day Classic Tournament. Raised over $2 million for the Stollery over the years. Always a highlight on my calendar to do the show live from Terwilliger Rec Center. So hopefully I'll see you there Friday if you're going to be hanging around. You know, I, w- I was thinking uh, a little bit, and I know that alarms many of you when I you know, when I say I have been thinking, but obviously this is pretty much a disaster of a season for the Oilers. I mean, just for me personally, uh, I, I can't remember exactly. I, I What they have, 103 points last year. I think when we do our preseason predictions on Bob's show from noon to two, I think I either said 100 points or 102, so I was 
picking like basically a one win drop off. Um, if you would have said to me, what's the worst case scenario for the Oilers? I probably would have been like, I don't know, 88 points and they missed the wild card by a few points. Like may- maybe that's worst case. I mean, they're, they're going to finish well out of the playoffs. They're likely not going to get to 82 points, probably have between 75 and 80 by the time the season is done. But uh, uh, certainly there's been a lot of talk about uh, the current management, the current coaching, the uh, current players, absolutely. When when there's this much, when they're this far out of it, a lot of things have gone wrong. But we've also started to talk about the team's draft record. And Vincent Trocek getting that hat trick last night got me thinking about building depth on your team because we know that the Oilers have drafted high. I mean, what, they've had the four first overall picks. Uh, Pugliarvi was fourth. Dreisaitl was third. Nurse was seventh. They've had an abundance of of top high picks over the years. Really, since 2010, that was the first year they picked first overall when they got Taylor Hall. So I thought, I'm just going to look at the Oilers' last five opponents and compare some of their depth draft picks to the Oilers' depth draft picks since 2010. And then that turned into something something else as I got into that, but I'll, I'll get to that as I move along here. So let's start last night with Florida, five most recent opponents. Vincent Trocek was drafted in 2011. That's the year the Oilers took Nugent Hopkins first overall. Trocek went in the third round, 64th overall. He has 21 goals already this season, so a shot at 30. 23 last year, 25 the year before. Third round pick. Because what I started thinking here was that the, the you know the Oilers have uh, you know don't have been. A lot of criticism about the lack of depth scoring this season. And, you know, the, obviously the money given to Lucic and what's going to happen with Maroon, who you traded for. Whereas other teams are getting maybe not like high, high-end talent. Well, in some cases they will. We'll get to that. But, I mean, you can find good goal scorers after the first round. And I and I think for the Oilers, it's often been they draft a, a high-end offensive guy, and then they're unable to fill it in with other draft picks. Now, maybe the last couple drafts, it's obviously difficult to evaluate. Okay, so Trocek, starting there, third rounder, 20-goal score for Florida, three years in a row. San Jose, a little harder to find, but Chris Tierney was drafted second round, 55th overall in 2012. He's 23. 11 goals last year, 13 this year, so has a shot at 20. You know, but a guy like that with 13, that would, that would look pretty good on this Oilers team. Anaheim, Andre Kasse, 7th round pick, 205th in 2014. He's 22. Didn't do much offensively last year, had 5 goals. He's up to 15 this year, so very likely going to get 20. Uh, Los Angeles Kings, Tyler Toffoli. 2010 draft pick, same year the Oilers took Hall. He was taken in the second round, 47th overall. He has 13 this year, 18 last year, 31 the year before, 23 the year before that. So there's a guy after the first round. You know, a primary or a very good secondary score for the LA Kings. And then, of course, then Kucherov, the number one example out of this for Tampa Bay, 58th overall in 2011. Already has 30 goals this year, 40 last year, 30 the year before that, 29 the year before that. He's 24. He might win the Hart Trophy, second-round pick. So, and the Oilers have failed to fill out their roster 
with draft picks after they've taken guys in the first round. And I'm, I'm mostly focusing on forwards here. Since 2010, the best Oilers forwards not taken in the first round are Anton Slepeshev, 83rd in 2013, has seven goals in 77 career games. Had one last night. Jujar Kara was taken in the third round, 63rd in 2012. He has nine goals in 67 games. Now, he might turn out to be a good depth player, uh, but is he going to score 15, 20, 25 like some of these other second or third rounders? And then the other one I put on this list, uh, 2010, Tyler Pitlick, who's no longer with uh, with an Oiler. He's probably going to have a very respectable NHL career. I don't know if he'll ever score 20 in a season. Doing, doing pretty good with Dallas this season. So then I started thinking, okay, let's, let's look back and find 20 goal scorers that the Oilers have drafted after the first round. Well, you probably have an idea where I'm going here. Maybe you already know the three names I'm going to mention. There are three of them in the last 20 years. Three Oilers forwards drafted in the second round or later who have had 20 goal seasons. Jarrett Stoll was drafted 36th overall in 2002. He scored 22 goals in 05-06. Sean Horkoff was drafted 99th overall in the fourth round in 1998. He had 22 goals also in 05-06. Maybe no coincidence that the same year the Oilers were able to go to the Stanley Cup final two important scores were depth draft picks. Hmm, they were starting to pay off. Now, I know Rolas and Pronger are a huge part of that, but still, they needed other guys firing. Mike Comrie was drafted in the third round, 91st overall in 1999. He scored 33 goals in 0102. So 2002 was the last draft in which the Oilers wound up taking a player who scored 20 or more goals. And it's been 05-06 since they've had a player taken second round or later, score 20 or more in a season. So that's where we're at. That's part of the reason, not the only reason, big part of the reason where the Oilers are where they are at, why they've had to go after the Luchichas of the world and give them huge contracts and long contracts, because they have not been able to draft their own forwards, except for some obvious picks, first overall, Dreisaitl, third overall, guys like that, except for those obvious first-rounders who, for the most part, are very good players, the ones that are still here. Uh, Well, Hall's obviously doing great. So that's been a huge fault of the Oilers over the year. Can you find somebody... Like, it's not impossible to draft outside of the first round. But unfortunately, this team has often made it look like it is. Because, again, that's that's a long time. That is a, a long time since they've got, like, a legitimate, if not primary score, like a legitimate depth score. A legitimate depth score in the second round or later. It just has not happened for this franchise and if you if you don't draft well overall you do not win and and I think you know I'm not the first person to say this so I'm not breaking any any new ground here you augment your team with free agents you fill in holes right 
but you can't totally build with free agents. And, and I think the Oilers have been stuck trying to do that recently with free agents and trades. Okay, you got to sign Secker, you got to sign Russell, you got to sign Lucic, you got you, you got to give up an excellent player for Larson because you, you, you don't have any defensemen. So, and, and the, the, the whole, the deficit has been so big. I mean, now we're seeing, even with McDavid, even with Dreisaitl, how difficult it is to climb out of that, especially if you have several guys having off-seasons with your goaltender leading the way. So anyway, just a little uh, stuff I dug into today. I know it probably doesn't make you feel any better about the team, but once I started uh, rolling with... And look, I, I use the criteria of the last five teams. They're not all excellent examples, but I think Trocek, Toffoli, and Kucherov are excellent examples. Kosse is coming along. Tierney's not a, not a great player, but he still might score 20 goals this season. He's already up to 13. Boston and Calgary now tied uh, 2-2. Mike Smith for the Flames day-to-day with that groin injury, and I just see David Riddick struggling to get to his feet here after a play. He might have got bumped by a Boston Bruin. We'll see what's happening there. CFL free agency today, Adam Konar choosing to stay with the Edmonton Eskimos. We'll have him on the line in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, it won't be Mark Letestu of your Edmonton Oilers for much longer. He will be traded before the trade deadline coming up uh, Monday, February 26th. Letestu obviously has had his uh, role cut back with the team here recently. There are teams uh, interested in Letestu. I know that Columbus, San Jose, Pittsburgh, and Toronto have uh, called the Oilers inquiring about Mark Letestu. We'll see where he where he ends up. I, I know the summer that he, he signed with the Oilers, uh, there were four teams that that were his uh, f- that you know that he had to pick from in the end. Obviously, the Oilers, Columbus was trying to keep him. Anaheim and Toronto uh, were also involved. The Oilers were offering uh, an extra year, and he wanted to come to Alberta. He's from Elk Point. So now the Leafs sniffing around Latestu again. We'll see where that goes. Reed Wilkins with you at 649 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. And this gentleman remains an Edmonton Eskimo linebacker, Adam Konar. Adam, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, man? Good, good. How about yourself? Doing very well. It's good to talk to you. CFL free agency today, uh, but you're staying put. Uh, obviously, this could have been an opportunity for you to uh, to look around, see how much you could make somewhere else or, or join a different team. How come you decided to stay in green and gold? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, uh, I love being in Edmonton. I mean, I enjoy... Uh, playing with all the guys on the team and it it's a well-run organization from the top to the bottom and uh including the coaches and everything like that so it it wasn't a difficult decision for me to make um to come back i mean this is where i want to be i would i really wouldn't want to be playing anywhere else to be honest you know, Adam, you, you had a pretty good season. Obviously, it was challenging at the linebacker position with uh, all the injuries. How are you going to remember 2017? Um, yeah, it was just uh, definitely a season filled with adversity for our team. And um, I think it's a season that will help us out uh, this year and into the future, um, especially this year. I mean, just uh having so many different guys having to come in and play never really being able to build that continuity of uh 
keeping the same lineup. I mean, we were kind of changing week in and week out, and we still ended up having a relatively successful season. So um, I'm looking forward to building on that in 2018. I mean, I, I, I really believe that all the adversity that happened to us will help us this season for sure. Yeah, well, weird year for you guys. Uh, what was it? You won seven, lost five, and then won six in a row if you include the playoff game, and then obviously just a little short against uh, Calgary in the end. Adam Konar, Eskimos linebacker, joining us here on Inside Sports. Adam, let's get let's get to know you a little bit. Where, where do you spend your uh, your off season, and, and how's your uh, how's your training going? I mean, when do you really start to ramp it up? Uh, I mean, training's going well. I'm just starting to. I mean, I've been getting back into it. I mean, I, I am uh, currently training, but it kind of continuously picks up uh, as the off season goes along and uh, just keeps ramping up towards uh, towards the season. I, and I'm actually uh, down in Calgary this off season, uh, staying at my girlfriend's house actually. So um, just training out in Calgary and. Uh, yeah, I mean, training's just been continuously ramping up and will continue to do that towards the season. Because was it you grew up in Vancouver and then went to the UFC? Is that uh, the history there? Yeah, that's correct. All right, so who's your who's your hockey team, dare I ask? Uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a sticky, sticky situation. <laughs> but, um, I mean, uh, I grew up a Canucks fan, so I'll always, uh, I'll always like the Canucks, but... Um, I definitely have grown to like the Oilers as well since I've been drafted over there. All right. Well, good answer. That's a smart answer on uh, six thirty, Chad, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Did you do Did Did you do anything really uh, interesting in the off season? Uh, any travel or anything memorable? Uh, no, I didn't get to travel anywhere this off season. Actually, I mean, uh, I just uh, went back to Vancouver and was with my family over the winter break and stuff like that. And I'm actually uh, I'm back in came back out to Calgary to take a few classes at UFC to try and uh, work towards my communications degree. So um, it hasn't been uh, too too exciting, but um, it's been a productive offseason so far. Well, nothing wrong with trying to finish that degree. I know, I know a lot of athletes uh, focus on finishing that while they're playing pro, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. Now, Adam, yeah. we're, we're, does, does it mean anything to the – well, it means something, but let me put it this way. How much does it mean to the team that Mike Riley won MOP for the league? Because I know you guys want to win the Grey Cup. You want the team awards. But is there a little bit of pride with uh, with Riley getting that? Were the guys pulling for him? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely deserved it. I mean, he uh, he played um, unbelievable this year, and um, he's definitely the leader of our team. So, I mean, our, our team goes as Mike goes and um, for him to win that award was obviously awesome for him and definitely um, gave the whole team a little bit of that pride as well. Did you watch the the Grey Cup once you guys were eliminated or did you not bother? I actually, I did tune into the Grey Cup. I mean, I wasn't, uh, I did want to watch it. Just, uh, I enjoy watching uh, CFL games in general, even though it was a tough, tough game to watch just because we weren't in it but um i did i did watch it yeah it was a pretty pretty wild game do you t- okay like they're your rival do you take any satisfaction in calgary losing or does it just not matter to you once you're not there uh yeah i mean once once uh once we're not there it doesn't really matter to be honest i mean uh it wouldn't 
wouldn't change the fact that we're rivals, whether they won the Grey Cup or not. I mean, we're still going to remain rivals, and uh, obviously our goal every year is to win the Grey Cup, and if we don't get that opportunity, I mean, I, I personally don't really uh, – uh, take a side when I'm when I'm watching the Grey Cup game. If we're not in it, I just I just like to enjoy it as a as a fan kind of. And did you watch the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago? You must have. I did actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, so as a as a defensive player, like what are you thinking when there's over 1,100 yards in the game? Man, I I don't know. I was kind of in shock. I, I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen a a game with only only one punt. I think. Um, the entire game. I mean, the offense was unbelievable. Obviously, for the the Super Bowl with every single fan watching, that's a good time to have one of the best offensive games of the year. So it, it was definitely good for ratings and stuff like that. But the defense definitely could have been a little better. All right. Well, Adam, it's it, you know you you kind of had a well you I don't know if it's fair to call it your breakout season, but I, but I think a lot more people know about you than they did a year ago because you really played well in 2017. So good for you staying with the Eskimos. I hope the off season continues to go well, and of course we'll talk to you at training camp. It's starting to sneak up on us. Thanks for your time. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot, Reed. That is Adam Konar checking in tonight from the Edmonton Eskimos. So he stays in the secondary. Johnny Adams and Forrest Hightower stay. And the Eskimos have also added free agent international defensive lineman Alex Bazzi. He gets a two-year contract, uh, 56 games with the Lions over four years, 32 sacks. So uh, not bad. This guy might be the replacement for Odell Willis. He is going to turn 28 in August. He got some looks in the NFL in 2017 uh, as well. So you can look at uh, more on that on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com and Morley Scott will join us a little bit later on. You will hear from the uh, commissioner of the Canadian Football League as we move along tonight. Inside Sports on Ched. 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched.